guys today. You know, there's just a good feel in the in our in our gathering here this morning. There's I sense expectation. I sense joy. And I just I just sense a genuine uh, a genuineness about us this morning that just is glad to be here. As the psalmist David declared, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. And it is good to be with you this morning. Um, want to make sure you guys are aware, as I'm sure you already are, but next weekend is daylight savings time. All right, so you fall back one hour, okay? Fall back one hour next Saturday night when you go to bed. So you get that extra hour of sleep or whatever it is you are going to be doing. Uh, hopefully nothing too crazy. Um, and um, But uh, anyway, don't forget that. If you don't set your clocks back an hour, you're just going to be early to church. So no harm, no foul, right? <laughs> All right, cool. Well, listen, let me invite you to open God's Word with us this morning. Luke chapter 15, Luke 15. We're going to be picking back up where we left off last week. We're in the middle of a series that is called A New Season, A New Soul. And we started a message last week called The Soul's Potential. And we're going to pick back up with that. This, this particular topic, The Soul's Potential, it's, it's going to be a couple of weeks long, maybe three or four. We're just going to be talking about a few different parts about that. But let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him for His blessing on what He wants to say to us today. All right, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank You for today. I thank You, God, for giving us a place to be, a place to gather. Um, even though it's the weather is the way it is outside, thank You for a gym. Thank You for a building that contains us and allows us to do what it is we're doing today. And I thank you for these people, God, this church, who means so much to Haley and I. Every person, every family, every life. Lord, I thank you for bringing us all together and connecting us. And mostly connecting us through your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And now, Lord, as we open your word, I pray that you would give us ears to hear a mind to understand, a heart to receive, and a life willing to embrace your kingdom will and way. I ask that you would give me the words to speak. Guard my heart. Watch over my thoughts. And Lord, anoint my mouth to speak your words of life and hope today into every life that is here. We ask all these things now in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys ready to get into the Word this morning? All right. Well, we're going to get into the Word, and then we're going to get into some chili in just a little bit. All right. It's going to be good. Uh, I showed this illustration last week, and I I wanted to just kind of pop it back up there to you today and show it to you. You guys have it? There we go. You're good. Just kind of want us to get a picture about what our soul is, and we have a mind, a will, a body, but we we are a soul. We have a soul, and our soul really describes who we are. It's the integration, really, of all these parts, the will, the mind, and the body, our habits, our actions, our appetites, our feelings, values, where we choose our intentions coming from our will, and the soul really seeks to integrate all of this together. It, It works that way, and our soul 
is one that where God created us and made us in a way that that makes us to want to connect made us in a way to want to integrate and be in relationship most importantly a, a soul that is connected to God a soul that is connected to God's church uh, to God's people and a soul that is connected to God's purpose for our life is a healthy soul so when we have God at the center and we have God's people in our life and and we're walking in our purpose with the Lord not perfect because that's not going to happen on this side but we aim for it and we keep headed in that direction then we have the potential to have a healthy soul see but an unhealthy soul is a soul that is disintegrated disintegrated you see the thing that disintegrates and separates a soul is sin sin is really in its simplest definition is this right here it's anything that causes us to miss our mark with God with his people and with his purpose for our life anything that causes us to miss those components and our and our ability to connect well and to connect strong not loosely but strongly connected to God his people and his purpose See, sin does that. Sin tears us away. Sin separates us. Sin isolates us. And that's anything. It can be anything. It's not a measuring stick of what's worse or what's not so bad or what's just a little bad. It's anything that pulls us apart and separates us. In other words, God has a will and he has a way for our life. Did you know that? God has a will and he has a way for our life. That's how he works. So a person who is aiming to live their life according to God's will and doing life according to God's way then has a great deal of potential to have a healthy soul. We've been kind of exploring over the last few weeks the different things that take up space in our soul. And last week we started what we're talking about today in continuation is the soul's potential. You see, for the soul to have the potential... To be healthy, it needs a few things in place. Last week, we talked about these two things. The soul needs a keeper. Did you know that we are the keeper of our souls? Your neighbor isn't. Your pers- the person you're sitting with is not the keeper of your soul. Oh, I know we try to do that sometimes, but we are the ones responsible for our own souls. God is going to look to you and look to me as individuals and say, how did you live your life? He's not going to look to your neighbor and say, hey, how well did you help keep your soul of your friend here? No, he's going to say, how well did you keep your soul? So the soul needs a keeper. We are the keeper of our soul, but our souls also Our souls also need a center, and our souls cannot be centered without God because God is the center of our life, or at least He should be. And when we we keep our souls, when we tend to our souls, then that allows God to continue to be in the center part of our life, not on the peripheral side, not on the outside, not on the edge, not just off-center, but in the center of our life. And today we're going to talk about for the soul to really be healthy, The soul needs to know it has a future. The soul, our souls need to know it has a future. Take a look at this this statement on the screen. It says, The soul has potential to be healthy when truly connected to what it longs for. God, our souls long for God, His people. Our souls really long to be connected to the right kind of people in our life. 
and our come on that's a good amen and our souls are looking to really be connected to God's purpose for our life. You know, when you're too busy loving God and being connected with the church and living on purpose for the Lord, it really doesn't leave much room to kind of separate yourself from anything else other than what God has for you. Amen? And so that's what our souls long for. And today we're going to look at this, uh, a few verses. Uh, ch- verse 22, Luke 15, verse 22. We're looking at the parable of the prodigal son. And we're looking at Today, how the soul needs to know it has a future. You see, the thing about our souls is this, is our souls really want to be reassured that beyond all the bad, beyond all the evil, beyond all the painful, beyond all the sinful stuff in our world, in our life, our souls want to know that it has a future to live at peace in God. Because what do we do with all the stuff that happens with all around our life? And then when it really touches home, what do we do with it when it happens to us? See, it's one thing to see the news and hear the news about bad things happening all around our world. But then when bad things happen to us, when we go through suffering, when we go through pain, when we go through stuff that doesn't make sense, when we have issues in our life, when we allow sin to continue to to have its dominion in our life, then, you see, our soul really wants to know that, man, is is there really forgiveness for our transgressions is there really grace for our disgraces our soul wants to know that it has a future and that God is that future and that God can wipe away all our tears that truly God can truly comfort our most discomforting moments in our life that God really is big enough to hold us in the palm of his hand That God really is strong enough to keep us even in our most darkest moments, even in our most rebellious moments. God is big enough, strong enough, and loving enough, and gentle enough, as we were singing earlier this morning, to hold us where we need to be and to keep us where we need to be. See, God works that way. Our souls want to know that, hey, there is healing for my sickness. Right? When you're going through it, you want to know that somebody out there bigger than you, stronger than you, more powerful than you, who is God, actually can do what he says he can do. Amen? And our souls need to know that. Our souls need to hope in God. Our souls need to have some faith in God. Even in the middle of bad stuff happening around us and to us, our souls need to know that God has my future. And that no enemy in hell will snatch me from his fold. Amen? And a great picture of our soul's future and what God is capable of doing is found right here in this story. Right here in this story. You know, Jesus says it this way in John 16. Take a look at this this verse real quick. In John 16, Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says, In a little while you... You guys, you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that, you will see me again. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I came across this scripture about a week or two ago, and it's just kind of been sticking with me. And... It's one of those things that kind of really brings life into perspective. Just a couple of verses. 
Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, right now you see me, but in a little while you won't see me. But then in a little while I'll be back and you'll see me again. And then when you see me again, you won't have to ask me why anymore. You see, our life is full of whys. In this present day moment of life, our life is full of whys. We're always asking why. Why are we going here? Why are we doing that? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? I know if you have little children, they, when they're out there right now, they are always asking, why? Because I said so, that's why. And that's just never good enough, is it, Mom and Dad? It's just, it wasn't good enough for me growing up. I want to have a little more information than Mom saying, because I said so. Right? But Jesus is telling us here, and I find great comfort in this about, especially on this issue that our souls need to know we have a future, and that is Jesus is telling his disciples, and he's telling you and I today that, hey, right now I'm here, but I will be gone, but I will come back. And he says to you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like a long time. And he uses the words, in a little while. See, in eternity's eyes, in God's time, it is just a little while. But in our lifetime, it seems like it is forever before God actually does anything sometimes. And he says, you're going to have sorrow for right now. In other words, hey, you're going to go through some difficult times in life. It's not always going to be peachy king. It's not always going to be real, real happy and sweet. You're going to have that. You're going to have joy-filled moments, happy-filled moments. Uh, Really, you can have that, but you need to know this, that, hey, difficult things happen. Bad things happen to good people. Sorrows can hit you. Grief, people in you lo- that you love, they're going to die. Some of your relationships are going to end. There are going to be things you're not going to do so well on the test that you thought you did, that you studied well for, and you're not, you're not going get to that, get that promotion that you hoped you would, had gotten. You're going to go through some changes. You're going to go through some, some, some trials in your life. And he said, to you, it's going to feel like it's forever, but you need to understand this, that when I come back, It's just a little while, and when I come back, I'm going to set everything right. I'm going to make sense of it all, and I'm going to right all your wrongs, and everything will be perfect again. But right now, just a little while, while you're living in this little while world of your your short time of life, that you need to know that that's going to happen. And he said, but when I come back, you're not going to have to ask me questions anymore, because everything really will make sense and everything will come together because you'll be seeing me face to face. And he said, you won't won't have to ask why. Well, why did I have to almost die? Why do I have to go through trials of recovery? Why is this happening in my life? Why am I diagnosed with this? Why is my spouse having to deal with such a jerk on the job when they're such a good person? Why are my kids getting made fun of at school. Why are my kids rebelling right now? I've brought them up in the ways of the Lord. Why is my family turned against one another? Why can I ever have enough money left at the end of my month when I know I feel like I'm doing all I can to do what is right? Why is my husband treating me like garbage when all I do is serve and love him and try to show him love, the love of Christ? Right? Why did my spouse die so early in life? 
See, these are all questions everybody in this world at one point in, in their life ask why all the time. We ask the whys, but Jesus has said it's just a little while. And what he's saying right here in John 16 is this right here. You need to know that your soul has a future because I am coming back. And when I am present, I'll give you what you absolutely are really looking for and what you really need. When I am present and when I am there in your life, then I will make stuff come together like nobody else can make things come together. You think you, you're missing something? You think you're, you, you, you've been mistreated or you've been un, things have, been, un, have done, been done unjustly to you? But he said, when I am present, I'm going to make it all fit and make it all come together. He said, your soul, you need to know this, that in your soul, you need, it has a future in me. So you need to hope in me. You need to have faith in me. You need to have trust in me. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to put your mind on all of that and try to make it all fit and compress into, into your, your just small little world. He said, I am bigger than this stuff. He said, I have it all figured out. I know what I'm doing to you, it might not seem that way, but I really have it all figured out. But hey, you'll never really have peace. You'll never really have joy and contentment in your heart, in your soul, unless you first trust me. Unless you really put hope and faith in me to help you take the steps you need to take to get where I want you to be. Amen? So let's quickly look at this story. We're just looking at verses 22, 23, and 24. It's a great picture of what God is capable of doing when we put our faith in Him. Our souls have a future. Verse 22, it says, But His Father said to His servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on Him. Get a ring for His finger and sandals for His feet. And kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. So the party began. In case you're picking up on this story halfway through, wondering what's going on, this is the, old, this is the younger son who left with all of his potential that his father gave him. The father in the story is God. The son in, in this story would be any one of us. And he left. And now he came to his senses, which we talked about last week. And now he's here, and this is what his father says. This is what God is saying to us, to people, to humanity, is this. Hey, quick. He says, quick. Don't waste time. Don't go slow. He said, I don't want there to be any time for doubt to set in on my son's mind. And I sure don't want people to start hurling out insults at to him as to what, who does he think he is. Why does he think he can get happiness from God? Why does he think he can get joy from God? Why does he think he can get forgiveness from God? Out of all of the mess he's been doing with his life, all the mistakes, all the tragedies, all the ups and downs, and all the mess he's made of his potential, that God gave him, why does he think now is a good time for him to actually get his life in order? And the father says, quickly, you need to do these three things, or four things. First, he says, you need to bring the finest robe in the house. What is the big deal with this robe? Well, it's the family cloth. It was the first robe he wore before he went out and squandered or wasted his potential. That was the robe he wore, identifying him as a member of the household, of the family. And you see, in God's eyes, this is what God does with us. When we come to him, he robes us and clothes us in robes of righteousness. 
He puts us in right standing with himself through Jesus Christ, something you and I are incapable of doing. See, one of the first things that Adam and Eve did when they broke the command of God, when they disobeyed God and they sinned, and sin entered this world, the first thing they did was hid. They, they covered themselves. They were trying to cover their life. They were trying to cover them up and keep them to keep their embarrassment and their shame hidden. And here's what God does. God takes that and replaces that with his robe of righteousness in our life. And so he clothes us in that. And that's what the father was doing. He said, quickly bring it here. But then notice these words. He said, put it on him. He said, don't just hand it to him. Don't just throw it over to him. Because he's not going to put it on because he's probably thinking he doesn't deserve to wear the family cloth anymore. And you see, that can happen in any one of our lives. Many of us can get trapped in that mindset that we don't think God wants to really forgive us. That we've done too bad. We've gone too far. Or maybe we try to clean our act up on our own before trying to come to him. You wouldn't believe how many times I've heard that from people. It says, well, you know, I'm not ready to just really commit to the serve the Lord yet. I, I, I haven't really got my act together. I have to clean myself up a little. I got to get a few things in order before I can really do this God thing. And friend, that is the most backwards way about it. None of us are good enough to clean ourselves up for God. God does that for us through what Jesus Christ did in the shedding of his blood on the cross. And when we trust God with that and we come to him with all of, our, all of our missteps and all of our shortcomings and all of our problems and our issues and we, tell, we let ourselves be known to God and say, here I am. He says, I'm putting this robe of righteousness on you because I want you to understand that in my sight you are in right standing with me and you now are a member of my family. We're his sons and we're his daughters that's who we are in God's eyes. And so that's what he, he was letting these guys know and letting his, his son know is that, hey, you're not just going to be given a robe of righteousness. You're not going to just be clothed in the family cloth. He said, I'm going to make sure it gets put on you. I'm going to make sure it gets put on you. Then the second thing he, he said to his servants, he said, quick, hey, bring the ring and put it on his finger. What's so big deal about the ring? The ring is this. It's the family signet ring. The family signet ring was used to transact and complete business deals. See, back then, the way they did that, they would, the, the, the signet ring had the markings of and the imprint of the family name or the family crest on it. And so what they would do is put that, that ring embedded in a wax seal and pressed down firmly on that. And when they pulled it out, pulled the ring off, there was the family name or the family crest sealing the deal and making it a done deal, meaning it was a good transaction. It was a finished transaction. And he said, I'm putting back on you, my son, the ability to be sealed in this family once again. 
to make not only am I clothing you and putting a putting that over you but I'm also going to put power in back in you I'm going to put authority back in you meaning you're going to have the rights as children in my household again you're going to have the ability to go to the fridge anytime you want and pull out a coke anytime you want you can go to your room and you can do that you can go in the living room and watch whatever TV show that's capable of watching our house or whatever meaning you have the ability to walk around and be who you are really called to be you are my son You are my child, and I'm putting power back into your hand. And you see, God seals our name in the Lamb's book of life through the blood of Christ. He has sealed His work in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And so what, when, we, uh, when we accept that and we recognize that, that tells our souls that, hey, I have a future. That beyond what bad, beyond what issues I might face and deal with in my life, so long as my faith and my hope is in Jesus Christ and I am pursuing Him, that though I fall, I shall get up, and though that happens, that God has my name written down. And that He makes it sealed. He seals the work. You know, there's nothing worse than opening up some meat in your fridge that you thought was sealed, that when you open the fridge and the seal was was broken or breached, that smell hits you. And if it's been a few days, it's not a very good smell. And he's like, back up. You see, when God seals our life in Him, He leaves no room for infraction and breaching to take place. But we have to have our faith and our trust that God is really capable of doing that. Because that tells our soul, soul, you have a future. You have a future. And then he told him this. He said, bring some sandals and put it on his feet. What's the deal with sandals? Sandals, not everybody wore sandals. Only the family wore sandals. The servants, according to some study, the servants weren't allowed. They didn't wear sandals the sandals. Only the family wore the sandals. You see, why is that significant? You see, the son came home barefoot. He had wasted everything he had. He came home barefoot, and now the father was going to put shoes on his feet and give him a proper place to stand, and to stand in the position that he really has always been, and that is as his son. See, in God's eyes, We come to Him without a place to stand, without anything to offer. And He puts shoes on her feet to signify to you and I that we belong in His family. That we have a place, a position to be in, in His eyes. You see, that's how God works. And He he rights our wrongs when we come to Him and we're sincere to Him. And we allow Him to truly work in our life. Then he said, hey, kill the fattened calf, and let's have a barbecue. We're going to have a party, and we're going to celebrate. What's the big deal with this? You see, the, the robe and the ring and the sandals were for the sun, but the feast was for everybody else. I believe the father was saying this. I, 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 I have reassured my son who he is, and I've done the proper things there to show him he has a future here with me. He has a future in me. And said, now I'm going to throw a big party because I want everybody else around here to know that, hey, I am good. You see, I think a lot of people in our world have a misconception that God is bad. That God takes life away from people. That God is the 
the controller of evil in the sense that he makes all this bad stuff happen. And so people start to blame God. People start to point up and point around and say, if God was really that good, then he really would keep all of these things from happening in our life and in our world. Yes, it's good questions. But it doesn't take away from the fact that God is still good. And he says, I want to throw a party and a feast because I want everybody to do that. I want everybody to see. And God throws this party in our life and he, because he wants people to taste and see how good he is. Because the father says, my son was, was lost and now he is found. He was, he was dead and now he is alive. You see, God celebrates when people come to him. God celebrates our path with him. He celebrates our journey with him. He celebrates our life with him because he wants people all around us to taste and see really how good he is. Just because difficult and bad things and evil things and painful things happen to a believer's life doesn't remain doesn't mean that God is absent from them. It doesn't mean that God is not capable of turning things around. But one thing it does show is this is Will we still be faithful even in the midst of trials? Will we still be faithful? Will we still cling to the cross and stay close to the Christ even in the midst of our issues? Will we still trust that God really has our best interest at heart and that He really can turn our, right, our wrong into right? That He really can take our little and make it much? And people want to see, this world wants to see that that is what's happening in the life of God's people. Is that even in the midst of whatever, that our praise will still go up, our worship will still be on Jesus, our devotion and our affection will still be on the Lord, that no matter what's happening, we won't start worshiping ourselves. we won't start worshiping people, we won't start putting more faith in our possessions and our achievements, our accolades and our money and whatever else we may attain on this earth, but we will still, regardless of the fact, either how little or how much we've been given, we will still worship and praise the name of the Lord. Amen? Because that says this, when a person can do that, that means that person knows their soul's future is in God. And it is not anything in this earthly world. Though we're here to enjoy, though we're here to benefit from and, and steward over what we have in this, on this planet, we can't take any of it with us. Doesn't matter how much we have, whatever we, can, whatever we possess, none of it will ever go with us. The only thing that will, that will go forward with us is this. That's our soul. Our soul, every single person who's ever been alive and whoever will be alive, when they die, when we die, the only thing that goes is our soul. This body is the outward shell. The soul is who we really are. And that's why it's so, so important to tend our soul, keep our soul, keep God at the center of our soul, and remind our soul that our soul has a future. Come on up, Jake. Wrap up, buddy. There's a story in the Old Testament about the life of King David. This is just before he officially became the king over all of Israel. It was in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And David and his men, they had been out trying to fight a battle against the enemies. 
their enemies. And they were coming back to the village where they were at the time, which was called Ziklag. And it said when they came back to that village, to the town of Ziklag, they saw, they realized that the Amalekites, another enemy, had come in and destroyed their whole village. They burned it to the ground. But that's not all. They also took their wives and their children away. And they didn't know which way they went. They didn't know what was to come of this. Think about it. They were doing what they felt like they needed to do. Fight the enemy. Just come home to get something to eat and rest. And prepare their next plan. And instead what they found was a burnt house and nobody home. Everything taken from them. Everything taken from them. And it says this in verse 6. It said, David became greatly distressed. Anybody ever been greatly distressed? If you are willing to admit that. I've been greatly distressed. I've only been alive for almost 40 years. And I've had, I, there's a lot of times I've been greatly distressed. Greatly distressed means to the point of, I don't know if I can get out of this. That bar a miracle from God, and God does something really big in my life, I just don't think I'm going to make it through this. Greatly distressed, like when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26 on the eve of, of his betrayal. He said, my soul is greatly distressed, and he sweated droplets of blood. Now, I ain't ever been that greatly distressed to where I'm sweating droplets of blood. Friend, if you ever get to that point, that's a bad place. That's low. Jesus was low. David was at a point of greatly distressed. And it said he was greatly distressed because he heard all of his men around him who he led and he pulled into this thing. said they were wanting to stone him to death because everything they owned, everything they had, all of their livelihood was taken from them. He was their leader, and they're like, you're going to lead us into this? You didn't tell us this was going to happen. You didn't tell us we might lose everything. And David had a choice to make. He's like, I don't know if I really have a future or not. I remember way back when that Samuel prophet guy came to my dad's place and called me out from the back lot and said, you're the next king of Israel. That was so long ago, and I'm not king yet. Maybe that was just a joke. Maybe that was just to cause some problems in the palace. Who I don't know. So I, I, I'm at this place now, God. I feel like I've given you everything, and now you've taken it all away. And now my friends, my closest people around me who put their faith in me and trust in me, they don't want me to live anymore. They're talking about killing me. and I don't think I can take on all of them. He said, the odds are against me. And David had a choice to make. It said that David then encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Friend, you want to know how to get out of the mully grubs? pretty quickly. 
You want to know how you can pull yourself up out of a low spot in life when things are pretty hard-pressed against you? One of the greatest ways is to begin to praise and magnify Jesus Christ with your mouth, with your voice. And so David got his linen ephod to seek the Lord and pray and ask God what he should do. And God said, go ahead, take your men and pursue the enemies that came after you. And they, long story short, they found them and took everything back from them. You know that old song, I went to the enemy's camp and I was back. Yeah, just took back what he stole from me. But that would have never happened. He would have never lived and pursued and eventually became king, one of the greatest, the king of, of Israel's time. Had he not stopped to encourage and strengthen himself in the Lord. And he was responsible for, the, for a couple of things. He, he wrote this Psalm 27, 13. He said, I could have lost heart unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Friend, I don't know what all you might be facing right now or what lies in your future or what you've been trying to deal with from your past. But if you're at a place where you feel like, man, I am greatly distressed, where I feel like it's all piled up on me, where my heart feels like it is overwhelmed. And that was another one he wrote, Psalm 61 too. He said, when my heart is overwhelmed, Oh, please lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a strong tower for me and a shelter from the enemy. You see, David knew a little bit about being greatly distressed. And this son in this story knew what it was like to be greatly distressed, to feel like I don't have a future. To feel like, man... I don't think I'm any good. Maybe it is true what everybody says about me. To feel like, you know, I'll never break these cycles of bad habits and bad patterns in my life. They've been around from generations before and they exist in my life today. I just don't know these, these thoughts that go in my mind. Make me feel like I'm crazy sometimes. And I wonder, is there any way out of this? Is there any hope for me. And God says there is a future for your soul if you will let him be the one to guide you. When your heart feels overwhelmed, when your soul feels downcast, when your soul is full and bitter and no longer sweet, what do you do? Do you try to just fix life on your own or do you try to let God truly get in and have his way? Let's stand to our feet. Our souls, they just want to be reassured. You might not be thinking about it today, really, right now. But you'll be, we all will be faced with, with times where we will, are just wanting to know. We just want to be reassured that beyond this 
predicament that I'm facing right now, beyond this problem that seems to be huge, beyond these setbacks that I seem to keep experiencing, beyond these difficult people that I am connected with at work or past relationships or through family, I got to know, my soul wants to be reassured that, man, there really is some life after this. That if I can just get through, if God will get me through this, my soul wants to know, man, that there, there is some joy, that there is some peace. Friend, I know, I know what it's like to go through dark days. And the whole time I'm going through dark days, my soul is crying out, God, is there any light at the end of this? I know what it's like to have habits that are not good for you and they keep running rampant in your life. And the question is, God, can this cycle ever end? Will this ever break? See, our souls really, they just want to be reassured that God has a future, even in the midst of facing distressful times. Because, friend, I know, let's face it, it's real easy for us to get real disheartened when we look at this world. A whole lot of stuff that doesn't make sense is going on. But then when the things happen actually to us, that we think, well, that won't ever happen to me, I won't ever lose my newborn like they did. I won't ever get divorced like they did. I won't ever have a financial problem like they did. I won't ever live in a place of confusion and doubt like they have. But when it happens... Your soul's wanting to know, okay, it's happening. Is there any future for this soul? And the answer to that question is an emphatic yes. There is a future for that soul. There's a future for your soul. But you've got to run to God. You've got to stay close to His sheep. And you've got to pursue your purpose. If you don't do that, you'll never taste and see really how great your future and your purpose is in Him. Let's bow our heads. Is there anyone here today that you, you're... You're in this place. You're in this position where you're facing some obstinate and, uh, and just difficult places in life right now. And you're wanting to know, is there really a future? Whatever that blank is, you fill in the blank. Whatever it is that, that seems to be, have gotten you to this place. 
and your soul's looking out and looking up and trying to trying to grasp and hold on to future and hope anybody like that in here today just lift your hand i just want to pray for you from here i'm not, not going to embarrass you i'm not going to ask you to talk on the mic and tell us what your problems are i just want to pray for you i just want to see is there any honest people here today that yeah i've got some problems and i got some things that i'm trying to deal with i just i don't know all the answers and i feel held back and feel pus- pushed down but i want my soul to be anchored in God, and I want to know that no matter what, I'm going to get through this. Yeah, I see your hands. Bless you for that. Bless you for that. Let me pray for you today. Father God, I thank you for all these here today, these hands that are lifted, that have acknowledged God. They want to know their soul needs to know in you there is a hope, in you there is a future. Regardless of what they're facing, regardless of what they're going through right now, I pray right now by your Holy Spirit in the confirmation of your word that you would seal and settle within their own heart that, God, you do have a way. You are that way. And that you would show them today and reassure them today that, God, as they put their hope and their faith in you, Regardless of what it is that's happening to them and in them and around them, that it is not the end. I think some of you need to hear that. It is not the end. What you're facing right now, it is not the end of you. It is not the end of your destiny. It is not the end of your time. Lord, let them know that today. It is not the end. It is not over. Though it looks like hell is one and the enemy has had a heyday in your life, it is not over for you. It is not the end for you. Today, put your hope in God. Just say this with me, everybody. Say, soul, put your hope in God. Come on, say it again. Say, soul, put your hope in God. Father, seal this work right now. Seal this, what you're doing in every heart. Do it in such a way that we won't stray from what we're experiencing at this moment. What our mind is hearing from heaven, make it stick in our heart. Holy Spirit, overshadow and keep every person in your care. And God, on those days and those times where life is cloudy, situations are muddy, and problems are painful, that we will not try to course correct it on our own, but we will seek you, our navigator, our captain, our shepherd, and we will look to you that when hearts feel overwhelmed, God lead us to the rock that is truly higher than any one of ourselves. I pray this week you do your thing. Make yourself known. 
bring miracles, unexpected miracles into your people's lives. Oh God, show yourself mighty this week. Whatever the plan the enemy had for every single family, today destroy it, annihilate it, condemn it, and send it back to hell where it came from. And I command the very purpose and power of God and the life of God will prevail in every heart and in every life this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.